Oh, what's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David Candace and Isaac. This is uh, Pop Up Pod. Get terrible news this morning. Memphis Grizzlies released a medical update on center Stephen Adams. And it said, Grizzly center Stephen Adams will undergo season-ending surgery on his right posterior cruciate ligament after non-operative rehabilitation did not resolve ongoing knee instability. Adams expected to make a full recovery ahead of next season. Brutal. Yes, I, uh, I, it's for a season that it seems like everybody was geared up for it, right? Like we had not witnessed this front office make a win now type trade until they made the move for Marcus Smart. And so heading into this season, we knew that Jai was going to be out the first 25 games. But because of that move, we're like, okay, this this team just needs to essentially tread water in the first 25 games, even though I think that they're better than that. I think that they could could be better than just a treading water team. And then when Jai comes back, they're going to blow the roof off of it. And then it just – like a massive gut punch this morning. And we, you know, we talked about it. I know Isaac has been skeptical. <clears throat> My goodness, skeptical of this whole Steven Adams injury <laughs> going all the way back to last year, something that should have been, you know, we, we were told it's going to be four to six weeks. There's a chance he can play in the playoffs to now, you know, he, he missed from January of last year until like October uh, of next year. I, it just is rough. Yeah, I was like, I'll let you go first, man. And yeah, no, you, you, yeah, you, you, you give the full voice yours. Yeah, man, it, it, it's absolutely brutal news. Um, I, I think we were excited. I think everybody was excited. As David said, man, go out and make a win now move by bring, bringing in Marcus Smart, uh, bringing in a veteran like Derrick Rose. I think trying to rectify some of the issues that they had last year, it, it felt like this team was really ready to go. Um, you had Zaire Williams emerging. Uh, looks like he's uh, turned turn a corner and that he's going to have a, a much improved season. Everything seemed to be falling in place, man, and felt like we've seen this team again uh, be able to win games without John. It felt like after 25 games, man, this team was just going to take off like a rocket. And uh, to have that news drop this morning, it was rough, man. I was out driving, and I, and I saw it pop up on X first, um, and I couldn't look. I was like, please be a fake Woja cow. They have these fake troll Woja cows, and I was hoping it was one of those and then he had the ESPN notification popped up, and I was like, man, just a, a gut punch, um, as David said. And I, like I said, I, I was always really skeptical of this. It, it just – I didn't like the way that they were talking about it. First off, initially it was supposed to be, I think what they said, four or five weeks uh, for the return. And then when that did happen, we heard that he was having the, the stem cell injections out in California. Um, and then they still said, okay, well, he'll be back for the playoffs. Um, and, and I think even one game, he was warming up to get ready for the playoffs. And then we got notification that he was out for the playoffs. And ever since this happened, um, I think at the end of the season, media availability, you watch Zach Kleiman. I think they had a made availability after the draft. Um, he was asked about this uh, going into training camp. He was also asked about this um, different press conferences they had for Marcus Smart. He was asked about it. And every time he asked that he was asked about the Stephen Adams thing, to me, it sounded like he got nervous. Like he, his his voice got sped up. Like, oh yeah, well we 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 hope he'll be ready for training camp. We and I'm like, they were saying hope and expect when you Taylor Jenkins as well. And I'm like, this was an injury that happens 
a few several months ago now when it was supposed to be a four or five week injury and you're still saying well we hope he's ready for training camp or we'll expect that he's ready for training camp and i'm thinking if that was a four or five week injury way back then like you should be a little bit more confident than you hope or expect i know you can't 100 percent predict these things but i would think you'd say i mean yeah he's gonna be ready to go and that's what you but but to say we expect and hope it just always seemed to me that there was some skepticism with that. And now in hindsight, I was told some things off the record. Um, and I guess that it's okay to, to speak now from, from someone inside the team that said that Steven Adams himself wanted to go the holistic approach. Um, I was, and it's weird because I was told all kinds of stuff. I was also told that if it was up to Steven Adams, he would have played in the playoffs. Like that there was some, a, a disconnect between him and the team. He really wanted to play and they wouldn't allow him to play. Uh, but so, and then you heard all kinds of stuff. There was a report out of New Zealand over the summer that he had had surgery and that the team hadn't announced that. And it was, the whole thing has just been weird. So a lot of people are mad at the front office. I don't know if this is more of a Steven Adams thing that he wanted to go the holistic approach and they really wanted him to have surgery. I don't know who's to blame here, but it really doesn't matter with this is where we are. We're nine months later and now he's going to miss the whole season. It just, you just wish that he could have taken care of this earlier. I mean, that's where I am on it, man. I, I just hate to see it because now he's going to lose a whole season. And it feels like this could have been taken care of, whether it was Steven Adams that was pushing for this or the front office, whatever. Whoever's to blame is not really important at this point. The fact that he's going to lose this season, and that's that's just tough for all parties involved, man. And on the court, is just brutal. I mean, the screen setting, the, the offensive rebounding, uh, the passing, the playmaking, a lot of people don't even talk about that that he brings to this team, you just can't replace it. Uh, I mean, there are guys that you can go out and get that can help, but you're not going to be able to replace what Steven Adams brings to this team on the floor. You're just not going to be able to do it at this point in the season. Three get three games, three days before the opener, man. It, it's just brutal, brutal news to get this morning. Yeah. I'm One thing that comes to mind for me, I, I can't get this. This has been in my head this morning since we got this news the Grizzlies changed the affiliation with the, the doctors. And I can't help but wonder if that doesn't have something to do with this specific injury. Because yeah, they went, I was going to say they went from Campbell Clinic to Ortho South. So they're doing Ortho yeah, so, South. And, and Campbell Clinic, for I like I know since I've been a season ticket holder, that's that have, they have been their Ortho people. Oh, they've always, ever yeah. Game one at the pyramid. That's been there. So their yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know how far back it went, but I knew like I'd been. See, Jaron's rookie year. This is year. Is this six or seven for him? God, it's like, they all yeah, together like now. Six, I knew six, for at least. I want to say six. Yeah, yeah. I knew yeah. for at least five or six years that, that it had been them, but I didn't know previously. And I'm. After the way that this all played out, I, I can't help but wonder if that was the reason for the change. It, it might be a factor, but I still think that Stephen Adams, because of how weird the situation was, to me, the holistic approach thing and Stephen Adams wanting to try that makes sense just kind of because of who he is. He's not really been injured before. He's never really had to undergo, so, you know, sort of major processes. And uh, I, it, may make, it makes sense. And it makes sense that the Grizzlies wouldn't want to play him not trusting the methods that he's trying, right? Like just for liability purpose, if they don't really trust the process that he's trying to undergo, then it makes sense that they wouldn't want to play him, even if Adams does want to play, right? Because 
he trusts the holistic process more. It seems like the Grizzlies were right. And I just think that the timing could not be more brutal, not only because it's right before the season starts, but just even if you had a, had a couple of scrimmages into training camp, that would give the, the front office some time to adjust, to make roster changes. It would give the team some time to adjust, make scheme changes accordingly. It just, you, if they were going to bring on a new player or what have you, they were going to be able to get that person acclimated to the offense, the defense, the schemes, all that sort of thing. And to have it happen, no, really right before you before you start, it's just it's just unfortunate, especially because you saw him go out there and look fine. I mean, in that first preseason game, he looked fine. Nothing to be alarmed about in particular. Um, you know, some people did get alarmed because he did not play in the final preseason game. I wanted to see him in a final preseason game because they said it was a dress rehearsal. But I also, you know, if they if their logic was it's not worth risking it, I would have understood that too. But yeah, it's just it's it's hard to it's hard because the, the Grizzlies are in a rock and hard place where roster wise they need a big guy. I mean, this team is just too undersized, and we've seen time and time again without Stephen Adams, there is a real rebounding problem with this team. Um, and there's a real rim protection problem, to be honest, because Jaron can't do it all. He can't make up for everybody and be the only big guy on the court. Like he can do that a lot better. He can be a lot better of an eraser when he's got another big guy there to sort of serve as sort of some rim protection. Um, and he's not a great center as it is. So it also puts him in a tough position in that regard, because then sometimes he has a play center more where he's not his best. And so just to me, it just kind of feels like a, Strada brought the camels back. They already had a few things going against them, but I think they would have overcome those things fine. The jaw suspension, I think they would have overcome that fine. Brandon Clark being out and and not looking likely to play anytime soon, if at all. And I'm not really expecting to see him this year. Um, I think they could have overcome that. But just when you throw this on top of it, it's just a lot to ask um, of Des and Bain of Jaron Jackson Jr. and puts the team in a tough spot moving forward. They, in my opinion, um, they got to make a move. I don't think this is something that you could just sit on because the size is such a big problem. Um, I, I like Tillman, I do, and I and I think he will, he can be serviceable, but I also just think that teams are going to attack that obvious weakness, right? So like. When teams are planning to attack your size, even in the regular season, like we we talked about before, it could be a problem in the playoffs. But like to me, I think this is going to be an issue in the regular season just because they've lost the rebounding battle. Like I said, at every preseason game, and I don't think you can expect just um, role players to fill the void of a starting center from a rebounding perspective. I'm not sure it's fair to Junior. I'm not sure it's fair to Santi Aldama or anyone else to ask them to take on that load, especially when that particular person was like one of like pretty much the best rebounder in the game. Um, it's a tough ask. So I can't know other way to put it, but that it is just brutal. The timing, how it happened, the fact that I think everybody universally knows this could have been avoided had he just gone ahead and had the surgery last year. Um, we wouldn't be here now and just sets the team back overall. Yeah, I don't know that he would have been ready, even if he would have had the surgery immediately. 
I, I don't know. Like, it, 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 my guess, if he would have had the surgery immediately following the injury, I think for a, a repair like that, you're looking like January, probably at the earliest of him coming back, That's which odd. is still better than not at all. Yeah, it's still right. better than not at all. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's definitely still better than not at all. But I, I just I, – it's not a guarantee that he would even be back in January if he had had the surgery whenever he had the initial injury. So, you know, I, I think we're all kind of I – mean, I, I think I may be more optimistic than you guys, but – Candace, you you know, you mentioned that this is the like the straw that broke the camel's back. So what are your expectations? And for this question, we're gonna assume that the Grizzlies don't make any moves. What do you think that this team looks like if they don't add anybody else to this roster and they just move forward with what they have? I think they make the play in. Do they get a top six seed? I'm not sure. Um, too many new pieces, I guess. I mean, I haven't seen enough from Marcus Smart in this game. Haven't seen enough of Derrick Rose in this game to know that they can overcome that issue. But I know that the rebounding has been consistent. And I know that they lost regular season games solely, winnable games, solely because of the rebounding battle. So it just puts in the question, how many games will they be able to come up with? The winnable games I had down, will they be able to come on top of those the way they're supposed to? Because they simply just... I mean, second chance points, they lose that, and then they lose the rebounding battle. That's huge. Um, it puts winnable games into question to me, which puts the trajectory of the season in question to me. Isaac, yeah, I, yeah I, I, think, I think they stay inside the top 10. Um, I, I think this team yeah. is talented. I mean, they have three all-stars on this team, in my opinion, with John Moran, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., and I, I believe Desmond Bain has an opportunity to be an all-star this year. And I think would have probably been one last year, if not for the injuries. So this team has three all-stars. They they will stay outside the top 10. I saw some projections today after the Adam news that had them at 11, uh, 11 and 12 in the standings. And I don't think they drop out that far, but I, I agree with everything that, that Candace said. Me and David had a conversation earlier. He's like, you he said a little bit more optimistic. He, he thinks that they need to make a move, but maybe they can wait a little while. I don't think they can wait at all. Um, Candace kind of laid it out perfectly. I mean, this, I'm not a fan of Jaron Jackson playing center. I think we kind of saw that this summer. We've seen it some with the Grizzlies. I just think it takes away from his game. Um, I think when he's at the five, when, when you have a guy like Steven Adams out there, that allows him to do what he does, go out there and roam on defense. And when you, when he's out there having to play the five, he can't do that so much. Uh, we also know that he's not a big time rebounder and without job. I mean, not not having Jaws one thing, but not having Ja and Steven Adams, that's just absolutely brutal. Um, and, and as much as I love Lofton, I, I just don't think you can go in the season with X on the side center and then on the side Lofton as your backup. They just need size. They gotta have somebody with more more size than that, man. I, I just and I, I don't even know as far as the first twenty five games or, or the first ten, like we talked about on the last podcast. I don't even want to put a number on it at this point. I, I just don't know. Um, it's just because it's so much of a question mark. I just think that changes a, a lot for this team because without Ja, even though you have a guy like Desmond Bain, you have still have Jared Jackson Jr., they're going to need to generate offense. And one of their big ways to, to generate offense, especially when you don't have a job, is getting those offensive rebounds, getting second-chance opportunities from Steven, that Steven Adams creates, and you're not going to have that. 
Uh, I mean, who's going to rebound? I mean, X can rebound, but they're still undersized, and you just you don't have anybody you could go to. And what if X gets in foul trouble? Uh, I mean, you got to have somebody to play the four. They're just super thin already not having Brendan Clark. I think that they need to go get somebody ASAP, like two hours ago, like they need to go get somebody. I, I don't think you can wait on this. This is just too big of an issue if you're a team that has designs on doing anything this season like they do. You don't want to get off to a terrible start in this West because this West is is loaded. Um, and you don't want to get by an eight ball, not saying that they would fall all the way out because, again, even if they don't make a move, I still think they stay inside the top ten. I don't think they fall outside the top ten, but it, it's it's a big-time problem, man. It, it's just it's crazy, man, the excitement that we had. I mean, I remember watching uh, that last preseason game Stephen Adams played. I'm like, it's so good to have Stephen Adams and Jared back in the middle, man. It's just felt good. It felt secure. I felt like, okay, man, we're ready to go. And to to, to lose Steve-O like that, man, it's just, it, like I said, man, the only word I can say is brutal at this point. All right. So let me ask another question. Last season, the Grizzlies played 20 games without Brandon Clark and Steven Adams both. In those games, they were 13 and 7. Do you think that this roster right now, you, you take Tyus Jones off the roster, you take Dylan Brooks off the roster, you add Derrick Rose and Marcus Smart. Is this roster better now than what it was last year when they were missing Adams and Clark? It will be when they get Ja back, but that's still a little factor in your math. I mean, how many of those games did they have Ja for? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't pull that up. I'll be honest, so I didn't pull up. Like, I know that Ja was, um, I know that Ja missed some of these he because of the, of like them. because of the suspension for sure. Yeah, like, and, and, they, and they struggled at the end of the 20. season, and they he struggled at the end of the season. No, he didn't miss twenty, but they struggled <laughs> in some games late in the season last year, like they kind of stumble into the playoffs. Like it wasn't. Yeah, no, they, they were rocking back well. and forth. They went yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Their last eight games, they alternated win and losses. Yeah. The win one, lose one, win one, lose one. And so like I I guess the reason I'm so optimistic is because in that 20 game stretch, they won six games while being out rebounded. But the thing that gives out of the, the 20? They won out six. of the twenty. They they won six six of their games. They won thirteen. They went thirteen and seven. Out of the thirteen games that they won, six of those games they were out rebounded. That's encouraging. So <laughs> no, no no no. This is this is what's encouraging. When when Brandon Clark went down against the Nuggets, it was on March third. They play the Clippers on March the fifth and get wrecked on the boards, fifty three to twenty six. They play the Lakers like the next night or two nights later, and they get beat again by double digits on the board. Then they had a little bit of time off, and they were able to make adjustments, and you see them start climbing back into the rebounding battle. Things change, roles change, and I didn't look at individual stats to see who was picking up the slack as far as rebounding. But you saw them struggle the first two games trying to figure out what they were going to do rebounding the basketball. And then you kind of saw it balance out. There were still games where they got out rebounded. But after those two games in L.A., they never really got destroyed on the boards like they did. That Clippers game, 53 to 26, is embarrassing. But then 57 to 45 against the Lakers. And then you go down, I think they had one other game 
where they were out rebounded by double digits. I'm sorry, no, they didn't. It was they had a game where they they lost the rebounding battle 48 to 39. So I know that you cannot count for growth, like ridiculous growth to fill a gap. I, like I, I know that that is not a possibility, but Aldama is stronger this year. He's going to be better on the boards. And Kenneth Lofton Jr., as high as you are, Isaac, on Kenneth Lofton Jr., I can't believe you're not going to bat for him right now, man. We have been begging for him to get a run. And I, I understand that Junior is not a seven-footer. I know that he's not a five. But you can you can play Jaron at the five if you've got somebody that can rebound in there with him. And Lofton has been – he's averaged double-digit rebounds. He, it was like 9.4 in college and 10.5 in the G League – why could he not come in and be the rebounder next to Jaron? And maybe he comes in and he's not that, but you have 25 games here in the beginning of the season. You can kind of see what you have before you make that move. And right now their, their hands are kind of tied until the first week of November. Uh, with, with junior, you, like I said, I am probably one of the biggest supporters of junior out there, but, the, the rim protection aspect, I, I think, it, it is an issue. I think it, it still doesn't, it still doesn't take the pressure off Jaron that I feel like it needs to be taken off of. I mean, you still talking about two guys as your centers that are six eight and six nine. I just, I feel like they need more size than that. Like, and, and, and it, it's, I, I think Junior. I've said this time and time again, and people think I'm crazy when I say this. I really do feel like if they had pushed Junior the same way that they pushed Sadi Aldama. He would be doing some good things out there as well. Different things. They're not, they wouldn't be, they're not the same player at all. But I, I do think he would be as productive as Sonny in different ways. But that's just, he needs to hear nor there. That's not important, really, this situation. I, I just, he's a four. That's what I fear. And then you already, you're on the sides with X. And I think you're stretching him out as well. I just feel like they need somebody taller than that and somebody that can protect the rim a little bit more than either one of those guys are going to be able to. That's, that's my concern because you're still super small. Like you're you you're you're gonna be small all the way around at this point. You're already, even when Josh comes back, you're small in the back or now you're gonna be small up front as well. So that's just not that's just not where you wanna be. I I, I don't think. And then Junior, like I said, as much as I, I love him, he's never had to be a guy that that you rely on. They should they should have given him the opportunity, I feel like, but he hasn't had it. So him not being a guy that's used to playing that amount, that amount of minutes of being part of the real rotation or him being a real guy that's there, how will he respond to that? I, I don't know if we know the answer to that. So it's just not ideal. Like, I want him to get his shot, but that's not really – this is not really how I wanted him to get his shot. I don't, I don't know if the roster's set up for him to get the shot the way that I wanted him to. But, I mean, it's the situation. If they don't go out and get anybody, I mean, that's the situation that they're in. So I, I guess he'll have an opportunity to sink or swim. I, I just don't think that's ideal. No, it, it's not. It, it's not because I guess with all it, with all of your optimism based on last year's performance, most of that includes with Ja. You either had Brandon, uh, Steven, or Ja in most of those games. And now we're talking about a long stretch of time without all three. And I just think that's a dramatic difference. I don't think that 
there's too much you can compare last year to this year because I've said this before, but when Ja wants to rebound, he can rebound. Yeah, yeah. When he wants to. He can get you ten rebounds. It's a question of if he wants to. It's it's kind of like what he put what it, what it, what he decides to put his energy into, pretty much. But the guy can get you ten rebounds easy if he's if he's focused on doing that for the night for the team. And so in some of those games, I bet you that job picked up some of the slack in the rebounding perspective on that. And I'm not sure there's anybody else on this team I can say that about where it's just a question of will they turn on the switch? Not really. Um, I mean, in the preseason, it's bore that out as well. I don't think you've seen anything from the preseason to just bore that Santi Aldama is so strong now that he's going to be able to get these rebounds. I'm looking at some of these box scores and he had – he had a game with a, with a lot of rebounds. I can't remember which game that was, but I'm looking at one with like five. That's pretty good. Lofton had one against, I'm um, looking at the Bucks game, and that had some, you know, some real NBA competition in that one. Looking at the Miami game, also some real competition in that one. Thought he had two rebounds. Lofton had four. Um, both of them got 22 and, four, and 20, 24 and 22 minutes, respectively. So I'm just saying, like, at what, what impact is that going to make? on the team in general. And I know you can say, yeah, I'll lean on those guys, but you've seen nothing to indicate that those guys, it's kind of like the, I feel about saying that Lofton and Aldama can take the step that I felt about Conchar and then him taking that step and becoming essentially De'Anthony Milton, that you've seen nothing, nothing to evidence that they can make that big of a jump. I think both of them can have their own impact and, and band-aid some of the losses in different, I mean, the, the loss of Stephen Adams in different ways, right? They have strengths and weaknesses, but to be dependent on for those things, those things are neither, a, I mean, a huge part of either of those games. Lofton is a bucket, right? Now he has shown the ability to rebound in the G League, but that's not the big stage. Um, Aldama, also a guy who can space the floor. Rebounding, not so much his thing. And so you're asking guys who, that's not even, what what got them to this point rebounding to be the guy in their respective. And I think it's too much to ask. And I want to add real quick to even take that a little bit farther. And this might sound weird, but I think psychology and mindset is has a weird effect. Like when guys know that, okay, when you go into the season and know Stephen Adams not coming back, X, X is the center. I'm the center. I'm going into the season. I'm going to be the center all year. Sometimes guys in, in in short stints can fill in better, but if you ask them to do that, they know going in that this is going to be – this is my job all year. It it doesn't work the same. Like it, 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 And I know that sounds weird, but I've seen different examples of this in, in different spots all, all over. It's it just a lot of times when you have a guy step off, well, we got to do this for 15 games, you might be able to get through it. It, it might work okay. But if you say, well, you got to play center for 82 games, you're our guy – then it just doesn't work out over a full season. And I just – I don't know if you can go into the season and saying, okay, well, they they got by. And as Candace said, I mean, you had one of those three guys at, at, at pretty much in all those games, if I can remember. He's a job, Brandon, or Steven on the floor at some point in, in those last, games. The last so, 20 games of the season, job played eight of them. So you had you had 12 games – yeah, and that makes a difference. How many of them were they resting vets? Because I mean, they you're right, they rested some vets, but I'm talking and about other teams I, did as well. You gotta gotta look at the games. A lot of those sure, teams, yeah, yeah, no, no, guys, it was just yeah, so yeah, his, his suspension was in that time. 
And then he he missed a couple games just like resting or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they in the in the eight games out of that twenty game stretch without Adams and Clark, they went five and three with John lineup. And so um, they were thirteen and seven, so eight and eight and four without all three of those guys. So like I'm I'm not so optimistic that I think that they can go into the playoffs with the roster as constructed and have true success unless you have just ridiculous like growth from people that you can't predict. And if that's what they're betting on, it's ridiculous. So you, you make the moves, you, you bring in Rose, you go and you trade for smart. You're making those moves to put yourself in a position to try and compete for a championship so you would think that with Adams going down, that they're going to be looking to find some way to replace him, whether that's trading for another starting caliber center or going and getting a, a backup that can give you some depth in your front court. Uh, I, I don't know what that's going to be. I do know. So with, with, which Clark has not been ruled out for the entire season yet. So they're not going to get a disabled player exception on him. But with Adams already being ruled out for the, the season, the Grizzlies can get a disabled player exception on him, which is 50% of his salary, which is 6.3. Yeah. 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 So, like but they have to have an open roster spot yeah. to get that. And that can't happen until game five. Uh, Bobby Marks was talking about it. So 11-2 is when John Morant can be placed on the suspended list because it has to be after five games. And then when that happens, then they can use the disabled player exception. But the Grizzlies have more options than that. They have the MLE. Yeah, and, and they have the trade player, the traded player exception that they. Created. They also had a B, they also, I was going to say they also had a BAE, which is the biannual exception. So they have. They, they have got options. Money, the problem, the but, roster spot is the is the question. Yeah, they they can't. Um, none of those can be used together. So you can use yeah. the disabled player exception, the trade exception, the BAE or the MLE in order to fill this spot. Um, and, and I've got so the, at six point three, if they go just the trade, like the disabled player exception, I've got a list of guys here that I just kind of went through. And that they're obviously more than this, but these are guys, there are a lot of things that factor into whether you can trade for a guy or not. If he just signed a new contract in the offseason, he has to be on the team for 90 days before he can be traded and so on and so forth. So if I left some names off here, y'all can holler at me about it. That's fine. But there, there are other guys that could fit the need. These are just guys that could be available for them right now. <laughs> What you got, Candace? Well, wait, I thought you were gonna give the names. Oh, yeah, no, I got the names. I thought you had a point in there. I didn't want to, I wanted to give you an opportunity. Oh. <laughs> no, so, I was waiting on the names, man. Gotcha. Yeah, I was so like, okay. I've got I've got uh three guys that are, are free agents right now. One is playing in Spain, Willie Hernan Gomez. Uh when he last played in the in the NBA, he had a four point eight million dollar contract. I don't know what his contract looks like with the team that he's playing for, if that's even an option, if he could come over or not. Um, but then Bismack Biambo, he played with the Suns last year and played big minutes with them. And then Nerland's Noel, both of those guys were around $3 million and they would fit into the disabled player exception. 
then guys that are on other teams that would fit into this, Cody Zeller, Dwayne Dedman, uh, Andre Drummond, Jalen Smith, yeah. Mike Muscala, Goga Batadze, Mason Plumley. Uh, and then I, I was not a hundred. I think is Gorgie, is he a, a free agent or is he still like he's not still on the Spurs roster? I couldn't, it wasn't real clear. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't, I think he's just, I think he's just on the street. I don't think he's with anybody <laughs> so, right now. And I don't think. There, uh, Dayron Sharp is another one that I had listed, and then Jalen Smith. The the thing that you have to look at with, with any of these guys is how much are they going to have to give up to get them. Like Dayron Sharp is a young guy with the Nets that would fit into it, but what are the Nets going to look for in return, and do they even want to move him? Like out of that list that I just gave, I think honestly Goga, I, I like it. You know it. Um, Orlando has got a lot of young pieces, and when he got playing time in, in Indiana, like, he played well. He can rebound. He's a good rim protector. Uh, I, I like him probably the most. Uh, Andre Drummond is a guy that I don't think you'd have yeah. to give up much to get. That's, that's my guy. Yeah, like, it's the price. that Like, you have to factor that in. What do the Grizzlies have? There are plenty of assets that are available to go out and get people but are they going to be willing to pay the price that these teams are asking? So, Isaac, out of that list, I know, Drummond, you've, you've mentioned him, but what what do you think on out of that list, who who would your target be? Is, is Drummond your number one out of all of those guys? Yeah, I think I think Drummond would be my guy, just taking into account price, like you said, because they don't have a, a lot of assets that I think they, they're really going to want to give up as far as players – because you're, you're probably going to need to do a two-for-one because you got to open up a roster spot. So there's going to have to be some player movement in this as well if you're going to go out and trade for a guy. And I just think that none, none, nobody that you bring in is going to be perfect. I see people um, on social media kind of turning their nose up at certain names. This is not going to be you just going to go out and get – I don't think they're going to go out and get a big-time big name. I mean, people are bringing up – names that I made that I was like, they're not getting that guy like Nas Reed. They're not going out getting Nas Reed. Minnesota's not going to trade him anyway. N- but, Nas Reed just signed a new contract. Yeah, I said, that's what I'm saying. Available. He can't be trading anyway. anyway. Yeah. yeah, that's not happening anyway. They love Nas Reed. Minnesota, they're not trading him. Uh, but I think Drummond is a guy that if he can't do anything else, you know he's going to come in and gobble up rebounds. And I think, and he's a big body. Uh, he can set screens and he's not going to break the bank. I'm looking at his numbers here. Uh, he was six and six point seven rebounds, close to a block last year. Uh, two years ago, even though he didn't play that many games, he was still at twelve, ten, and a block and a half. Um, he's also a pretty decent passer as well. I, I just think that just for a guy that's just going to come in and fill a role of, of these guys on the list, I think he might be able to fill it more than some of these other guys because I just feel like they need somebody with size, and he definitely has that, and he's definitely going to get rebounds. You don't really need much else from him. Um, and I mean, he can score. I mean, he averaged uh, 18 points a game several years. It's been a while, but we know that he can put the ball in the basket. He's, he can get even stretched out of three-point lanes. Now, he's older. Uh, what does he have in the tank left? That That's the question mark. But like I said, last year, he was still at six and seven. If you could get 6.7 rebounds out of him, I think that would be pretty good. It would definitely be helpful for this team. And I think he's a guy that can, can set some of those screens. He's not going to be Steven Adams. That so I mean anybody expecting them to bring somebody in that's going to have the same impact that Stephen Adams has is it, just not happening. But I, I think he would be a good 
stopgap guy that they can bring in. If he's healthy, I, I think he could really, really help this team in, in what they're trying to do. Yep, I, I second that motion because you, you really are just looking for a stopgap guy. I don't, I don't think that it would be the smart thing for the Grizzlies to put a lot of resources into this, this, this hole because it is such a straightforward role. Rebound. If you can set screens, great. But if not, rebound. Right, like if it really, I think the Grizzlies can overcome. Even so, I, I, I think the rim protection thing is still a factor. You would love somebody that can that can do some rim protection, um, at least be somewhat competent at that position and not be a liability. But I, I think you take that. I think the the second chance points are just critical for this team, especially without Ja. So if they can just find somebody to fill that role to be to 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 provide some size, because I think. So that team, this team doesn't get taken advantage of, I think, in that regard. Um, then I think things can at least flow. They'll be able to adjust accordingly. And then especially when you get players like Ja back who can step up in the rebounding game and, all, and things like that, I, I think you'll they'll be able to navigate the ship that way. Doesn't take much, but they do need something. So how much, you know, you, you say you, you're talking about stopgap guy. How much faith are you going to have in Steven Adams coming back? When he comes back from this injury, he's going to be 31 years old. Coming yeah, off of a major knee injury. It's an aspiring deal. Yeah. Like, are, are we 100% sure that that's the right move? That they shouldn't look to move that contract because it's going to have some value with it being an expiring and, and look for their piece of the future? I don't think you get a piece of future via trade. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I think there's still there'll still be opportunity for you to go out and get that guy because they'll right. get more of a sense of what they need to do at that point. Right. Um, I, I don't think you have to rush and go get a bigger name right now. Uh, I think you can just let it play out and kind of see what happens. I mean, there's a, always options for you to to bring in another guy, um, and I, I don't think they need to rush to that judgment because that that's. That's not where we we were. We didn't go into this season saying, okay, well, we need to go find our long-term center. And I don't think they need to change that just because he's going down for this year. I think they just need to figure out things for right now and and let it play out. I, I mean, there there could be options even in February if you decide that you want to, okay, well, we don't have any confidence in Steven Adams coming back and being a long-term piece for this team, which I think was a question anyway. I, yeah. I think beyond his contract, I think that's even why they signed him kind of to a shorter deal I don't know if they ever felt like, okay, this is going to be the guy three, four, five years down the line. Right. I think they were kind of already prepared for that. So whatever they were going to do, that's still on the table, I think. So I don't think they need to rush the judgment and try to to make a major move because right now they don't really have the, the tradable. The guys that they're going to want to move, they, they, they're they not going to be able to bring in whoever their quote-unquote center of the future is, kind of what, with what they're going to be willing to move right now. Yeah, and and I would say to that as well that again, Stephen Adams play, looked fine in the preseason. Obviously, he wasn't right. So if if he can look fine in the preseason, and I know it's still the preseason, but also if he can look functional in terms of doing what you need to do, getting rebounds out there, setting screens, even if he's not the playmaker he used to be, or if he's not the screener he used to be. I still don't think that means you now need to try to pull a blockbuster trade to get a center because I. I don't think they need that from the center position anyway. They they I think that's still going to be what they need out of that role. Um, because they've got enough guys who need the ball. 
they've got enough guys who need the touches. And so I'm not I'm not confident. I saw one person throw out Carl Anthony Towns and had me had me <laughs> screaming. Had me screaming. Um they Podcast do not need another over. guy. Podcast if they <laughs> if they trade for I mean it's probably not feasible at this point. But Went I'm not tissue. Good. like no, <laughs> like I'm I'm cheering for the Pels. That's S A W F T, man. Yeah, wet, wet, sharp tissue paper. So you know, like I, I agree, they they don't need. You have John Morant, you have Desmond Bain, you have Jaron Jackson Jr. You need somebody that's going to play the role. You need somebody that's going to set screens and rebound because Jaron historically has not been a good rebounder. But it doesn't have to be uh, a five. You know, if you had a four that could rebound at a high rate, you could have success at that. If you have a four that understands his role and can do that at a high rate, I you, you can definitely – teams have won championships like that. Right. And so, you know, I, I'm I'm not opposed to them going out and making a move. I, I've got some a list of guys here that would kind of fit in that MLE, which the MLE is kind of tough. You, like, you, you can't – trade and use the MLE. If you're trading, you're having to match salary. But if you use the MLE, you can bring somebody in on that MLE. Uh, if I read, I it's possible that I read this wrong, but my understanding of it is that you can bring a player in on the MLE via trade. So you could trade assets to go and get somebody that would fit in that. And, and there are quite a few guys that some of these guys are older, but some of them are not. Um, you know, I saw a number of people mention in Detroit, Marvin Bagley. Um, I, I've got zero faith in him at all. I, I yeah, I, to be. I think I but, think you could get him. I just yeah. I just I don't have any interest in it. Yeah, uh, James Wiseman. I you know coming from Memphis. Yeah, and, I don't think that I don't think it's that. I don't think they're moving him. Yeah, and that's that's a lot of it. Are these guys going to be available? Isaiah Hartenstein is a guy that I really like, and I think yeah. that he would fill that role really well. Being Hardenstein still only twenty five years old, so he fits. They should have should have signed him, man. When he had a chance, I said yeah. it. I think we all yep. said it that summer. It yep. was it was uh, one of our guys, man. You know, da- Daniel Daniel Tice. Uh, he's only on a contract for nine point one million dollars. Like I, I don't know that he's your true long term answer, but he is a good defender and a good rebounder. Daniel Gafford is a young guy at twelve point four million that fits in the MLE. That he's had limited run. Uh, yeah, just because of kind of where you know I, he was in uh, Chicago, they traded for Vooch. Then he's I in like Washington, him. and they got Porzingis. Um, but he, he's a guy that fits in that. Uh, looking at the the Clippers, Avaka Zubat is a guy. He's at ten ten point nine, um, and he's still young enough. He could fit the window to be a long term piece. Guys that are older that would fit it. Uh, Kelly Olynyk. I know there's a lot of talk uh, about Robert Williams, Time Lord, and I'm completely out on that. Oh. I know what he can bring to the table, but replacing an injured center with another dude that yeah. hasn't played over 60 games in his career. Tweeted about it, that earlier. Yeah, it, it's just it's just not it for me. And then I, I've got to bring him up because of my uh, my love for him. But Rashawn Holmes fits, fits in that. <laughs> I knew you were. Going I, to knew, yeah, I, was gonna say, I knew. Yeah, I knew. I knew you were going to end the list with Rashard Holmes. I, yeah, I knew it. Say, I almost thought the bottom, I almost thought to bring it up myself, but I just knew. I felt <laughs> confident that you were. Anyway, he's not the last name on the list. The last name oh, on the yeah. list is Kelly Olenek. 
he he's in he's um, under contract for twelve point one. So like any of those guys <laughs> would fit in the MLE, and it's I am of the mindset I don't think that we see them make a move not early anyway. I, I think that they kind of wait and see what's going on. Yeah, you, you've got these twenty five games here without Ja. <laughs> I feel like they're going to wait and whether that's the right move or not, we'll see, you know, if one of these young guys that have been, you know, on the rise somehow blows up and fills into this role that that they need, then they're going to look smart. But if they don't, then it's going to, you know, they're going to look dumb. So we'll see what happens. I just don't feel like they're going to go out and make this front office hasn't since climate has been running this team he has not made a knee-jerk reaction to anything, and I just don't see that changing because of this injury. Define, define waiting, because I, I, I do understand that until the first five games, their their hands are sort of tied. I, I do understand that much, but define wait. Between now and the trade deadline, you know, like, so if you pull up, I don't have the schedule pulled up. I've got about 700 tabs on my computer open right now, but I'll pull it up. And I, mean, I was gonna, I was gonna say uh, while while you pulling that up, is I, I think it's dire that they make a move. I think they really need to make a move ASAP. But I agree with David. If this was any other team, I say all one hundred percent they're going out and getting somebody. But this front office, as as David said, is known to be conservative, like super conservative until they decide, okay, yeah, this we're doing this, but. They kind of, they are kind of calculating. They kind of wait back and hope that their guys that they drafted or, or traded for a pan out before they make moves. And we've seen this front office do that. So I hate to say I wouldn't be super shocked if they did. I, I really feel like they need to, and I hope they do. But I could definitely see it playing out where they just let it play out with X starting, lofting, getting minutes. I could definitely see that happening. It shouldn't happen, but I could I could see it happening with the way this front office operates. I guess my only question is because, one, I don't think the Grizzlies have ever been in a position where they've had to make this drastic of a knee-jerk reaction because they've not really had a situation happen like this before where they lost like... I hope you're right. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, it's pretty... I would say in the climate era, this situation is pretty unprecedented where you lose three, I mean, really key guys for long stretches of time, um, and, and they found a way to navigate the other job. But to lose Stephen Adams and not have him for the whole season, I think they've had situations where they know that guys are going to be gone for two, three months. And so, yeah, they, they would adjust and just kind of sit to the plan. But I also question it a little bit because this team, this team has now made a win now move. Um, and that's something we haven't seen them do before. So does that change the stakes for them? Because they have already sort of made made an official shift, right? The, before, when they were doing things like sort of waiting and seeing and all of that, it sort of came with the rebuilding mindset that the front office still sustained, even when the team was giving win-now results. Now that all the chips on everybody's angle is, is win-now, is that still the case? I think is a valid question. And I say that because... Yeah, like Isaac, I do hope that they make a change, that they don't wait to the trade deadline to to make a move. Um, it's gonna be some brutal basketball to watch at times if that's the case. Uh, but I also think that 
I don't know though, because the Luke Kennard trade to me was yeah, not a knee jerk reaction, but it was a response to what they were seeing on the court. There was a clear yeah. need for shooting, and it was desperate. And most people yeah, didn't think they were going to do anything about it, and, it was, and they did. It was more of like I, I'm glad that they addressed that. But at the price that they got him for it, I, like I feel like that's a fringe move. It worked out great. He played well for the Grizzlies, well, and he definitely fit, fills a hole that they needed. But yeah, I'm. They were in I, on. Other I, 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 yeah, yeah, I was gonna say I think they wanted. They to were do in on other than that. Yeah, that, I think they. That didn't just I, fall in their laps because I, I think they even said that they wanted to um, trade for um, God. What's his name for the Clippers? Uh, Norm Powell. That yeah. they tried to get Norm Powell initially. And that broke down, and they just they were already on trade call, whatever. And they just said, okay, well, what about Kennard? And they kind of kind of worked out. I think that their initial, from what I heard, they were trying to go out and get Norm Powell, and it just fell apart. So I think they were they were fishing for a little bit bigger fish, and they just kind of fell back on Kennard, like right at the deadline, and said, okay, this this is a move that we can go out and make. So uh, I, I I think again, man, I, I think they need to do something ASAP. That's that's just me, especially with. Like I said, with Ja being out, maybe if if Ja was playing, maybe you could afford to wait a little bit to see what was happening. But I don't know if there's a lot there that needs to be need to be seen. I mean, yeah. we know Jaron is not a five. Um, I mean, a lot of people still hold out hope that eventually he's going to be a five. I just don't see it. I think we saw in Team USA, even though I don't feel like Steve Kerr was using him in a correct way, I just don't think he's a five. I think it takes away from the things that he does best. And I think in order for him to do those things – that he does best. I think he needs a bigger five next to him. Um, a guy that's going to rebound, a guy that's going to take up some space down there to allow him to kind of roam around on defense. I, I just don't know if you can afford to wait. Like I said, I don't think that they need to go out and get their answer if they feel like Steven Adams is not going to be that long-term, but they, they need a guy that can come in, I think, and feel that role right now. Yeah, they've invested too much in this season at this point. Um and I honestly think the team has a lot to prove that they, that they can be a serious contender, like this to themselves, but also to the general public. That they've been a team that like it or like it or hate it has talked a lot, and they're trying to reset the culture and all of those things. And you want to reset the culture to winning. You don't want to reset the culture to looking mid. Like that's not that's not that's not a true. Uh, but that's not. I wouldn't think that's how they view cultural success. Just trying to get by. And I don't think that that's what they're what they're asking for the guys on the court is to just do enough to just get by. So I would hope that the front office wouldn't take that mindset because honestly, it'd go against a lot of what they're trying to preach right now actively to their players. Um, you got to give it your all, and I think in order to say that you really gave this season a success, like truly, like as as a front office, you really tried to compete. If you're truly trying to compete, you've got to fill this spot. Or else you're not really, you're still falling back into rebuild mindset mode to just see what the young guys will do. That's that's what rebuilding teams do. And that's yeah, I think, yeah, I think we're past that point now. I mean, you're yeah. too far down the line. When you go out and get a market smart, you bring in the veterans, I think, to kind of rectify and change the culture, as Candace said, you can't be backtracking at this point. I mean, they have, they went into this season saying, okay, this is it. Like last year, we talked, we had injuries, we came up short. This is the season where we're going to prove this is the maximum of what we can do with kind of this collection of players. You you can't allow this situation, I think, to, to, to set you back, and I think, in the manner that it will. Again, I think this team still 
is up in the top 10, but they didn't go into the season to be a play-in team. That's yep. not not what the expectations were, man. So I don't think you can just let this fester and just kind of see see where it goes. Yep. Not not to be true, not in tr- like I said, be truly true t- and, and do right by the players. I mean, you got talent in Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. that I think deserve more than that, quite frankly. And like you said, like Isaac was saying, if you're not going to get the best out of Jaron, that you really only got one All Star in this team for the first for the first twenty five games. Like I agree with Isaac that 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 Dez is he's got real opportunity to be All Star player for real this year. I mean he's All Star caliber, but he's got the chance to really lock one in. But he'd be the only guy because Jaron at the five is not an All Star. Jaron at the five is average at, at best to to be frank. Um, sometimes a liability depending on the matchup, and so. Then, then you, that, that just how much how much of a talent drop off can you afford at that point? And I don't think they can afford that bigger one. Because not if they're serious about contending. I just feel like that's completely wrong about Jaron at the five being average at best. Like, well, how would you describe I, I, that team? A lot like? of it depends on who is on the floor with Jaron. Because if you look at the Grizzlies lineups last season with Jaron playing at the five, their defensive rating was 108.9, which puts them the up, five. Uh, among the best defensive teams in the league. You can close at the five. Yes, I'm saying close at the five is different. Yeah. I'm talking about starting at the five. Like, yeah, like there's definitely going to be times when you go into a matchup and you know it's um uh, MB, MB, Yogich, yeah, like big physical, and Jared's gonna centers. get eight up. I mean, not take yeah. anything away from him. That's just not what he, what you need him to do. He doesn't, and it's not any fault of his. He's that's just not his game. I mean, I and that's not taking anything away from him. I don't think what Candace said is taking anything away from him. I just don't think he's a five. He's a four. Right. That's right. where he's best. That that's that's where he can get. That's where he can be elite. That's where he can be game changing. That's where he can be an all star. Him at the five. I really don't. You can average. You can you can say maybe above average. Maybe there's a case for that. I, I'll hear it, but you can't say it's more than that. I mean, I think a lot of it is depending on who's on the floor. Like I, I really. But who do you think you, is going to be on the floor? I mean, what are you saying? Yeah, I like they, they. So right now, with the way that the roster is, because of injuries and stuff, him at the five is less than optimal. A hundred percent, that is the case, but. To just flat out say that he he can't be the five is not accurate. With the right guy at the four, he does well. When you put BC out there along beside him at the four and five, those guys play so well off of each I other. I know, but we don't have BC. That's the thing. I, I know. I know. I, that, I, I I, that's what that. I'm saying. It's less and than BC optimal. is a very unique case because they they switch really. Like he, BC becomes becomes a five defensively. Yeah. Say uh, say P, PJ Tucker, right? PJ Tucker is an undersized player that plays the four. He's like six five and he's playing the four, but a lot of times he guards up because he's a physical player. Like if you put you know what Jaron's shortcomings are. So if you put somebody beside him that can be the you know that, that can absorb the the beating from the big then he can have success. And that's that there are guys out there that may or may not be available. There, there are guys that we named off of that list that can come in and do those things for Jaron. But I just 
I I don't agree with him at the five as just a waste. I think it depends. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say it's a waste, but it's it, not waste. You, you're not maximizing one of your better players if you do that. That's the frame way, way I would frame it because you're not – I don't think you're going to consistently get the best out of Jared if he's playing mostly the five. That's – and you and you need to maximize – especially without Jaw. you need to maximize Jared. You need to maximize whatever you get out of Bain. Both of those guys need to be at an elite level in order for this team to continue to win games. Um, and, and, you, and, and without John, like I said, man, that's it's just not ideal. Like, I'm not saying that he can't do it. I mean, we've seen him have to play five. Stephen Adams has missed time before. You can throw him out there at the five. And, I mean, he might have success at times, but I just it, – it's not ideal at all. No. And I, and I think, too, if you have to have extenuating circumstances, there has to be the perfect fit next to him. In order to be successful at the five, then he's not a five. I think that just speaks to the point. And I, and I think you, you're probably hitting that at my guy Lofton. And even though I love Lofton, like I said, he hasn't played the minutes. Can you night in and night out rely on him to to be that guy, the kind of the guy that you described? I I, I don't know the answer to that question because he's never done it. And right. like I said, I, and, I I feel like I feel like he would be productive if they gave him that push. I just but just throwing him out there like he's a guy that's not even expected to play much this season. Now all of a sudden he's this big role piece. I just don't – that's – on a team that has designs on possibly winning the title and being a championship contender, that's that's just – it's kind of the same mentality they, they, they went into the season with last year with Conchar. Mm -hmm. Like you want him to be more than what you've ever seen him be. And I just – I don't know if that's what you need to do. Maybe it works out at times. Like I, like I said, I think Lofton is super talented and I think he would produce. I just don't know if that's what you want to rely on right now going into this season. Like maybe after, he, after he's played in two years, maybe, or a year, and he's been getting regular rotation minutes, maybe he's that guy, but I just don't – you don't know the answer to that question. And that's a lot to to wonder uh, going into the season. It's like like I said last year, I felt like they were leaning too much into the youth movement. I didn't feel like those guys are kind of ready to step in and replace some of those veteran guys you lost. It's kind of that same mentality, even though I yeah, love I mean, them. And just, real, and just really quick to, to just add to that, I think – to, to the Conchar example, we saw what it looks like, and that is that Conchar was great, what, the first 10 to 15 games? And then, like, so what you found was that it's not sustainable long-term in those in those instances, that you can ask someone to do that for a short amount of time, but long-term, it just doesn't work because you've asked too much too soon. It's not sustainable with Conchar, I agree, but we don't know what it looks like for Lofton. We just don't. And, and I'm not saying that he's going to come out and, and just burn up the world. Like, I, I don't think I, I don't know that that's going to be the case, but I don't know that that's not going to be the case either. A guy that has his his abilities and his level of talent, you get him out there and you let him play, you find out what you have. There, there's like 18 games between now and the end of November. So run him out there, see what you have. And then by that time, you're going to have – you can move Ja to the suspended, which he's going to be coming back shortly after that. But you can make a move based off of what you see from him in the first 15 to 20 games of the season. Say, okay, either this is going to work or it's not going to work. And if you don't like what you're seeing, then you know. But if you go out and you make that move and you completely remove – 
grow from from him or anybody else out of the equation, then you you're just never going to know. And I understand in a championship situation, that's not what you want to do ideally. But he's he's produced at every level at a high level. And why not find out if you really have some like they went into the playoffs last year signing him as backup big man. Like they, they signed him as like he didn't end up getting any rotation minutes in the playoffs, but they made him a full-time roster player because they had faith in him. Why not actually see what you have while it's early in the season? And not that the games don't matter, but game one through 20 is not nearly as important as the playoffs. Well, I'd agree. Yeah. I don't mind 20 game weight. You were talking about the trade deadline for one. Now you've changed that. No, so no, no. I, no, I just said between now and the trade deadline. Like, you know, if he starts off, say he comes out, you know, Conchar started off the first 20 or so games last season playing well and then faded. And so if you give it a little more time than that because you're winning and he's playing well, but then he starts to fade, then you can look at doing something. I just might. I agree going into the playoffs with the guys being undersized could definitely be an issue, but I think that you want to see, or for me, I would want to see what I've got with who I have on the roster, because that's essentially how you came into this season. If you didn't have faith in him, then why sign him at the end of last season? Well, was there not any other was there not any other big out there on the free agent list that you could have went and got that could have possibly played for like uh rotation minutes for you? Hey, it's weird for me because you know I agree with everything that you said about Lofton. Like I might be the loudest supporter of him in Grizz media and Grizz fandom. Like I love Kenneth Lofton, as you said, he's produced on every level. I don't know, I don't really know how to say this. Like I want, obviously want him to get an opportunity. I've been saying that ever since he they signed him as undrafted free agent. But I I feel like this isn't the situation for it. I would rather for it not to be this situation. I wish they could have brought him along slowly, like they did Santi. And and I know the roster is not. I don't feel like the roster is really set up for them to kind of bring him along the way I would like them to bring him along. Like I feel like if you had been playing him for two years now. Again, like I said, I think he would be producing on a on a on a decent level, just like you see out of Sunday. It would just be different. I, I don't think he, he's not the same player. And people always want to kind of compare them all. Well, Sunday's miles better than him. He sucks. That's why he's not playing. And I don't think that's it at all. It's just all about fit and opportunity. And the way this roster was built, it just wasn't really set up. They they wanted a modern day NBA big and that's the, and also he was a first round draft pick they traded up to get him and he's on a guaranteed deal that's just the, the politics of it he was it was always going to be something between those two um I, I feel like and I feel like if you if, if they don't go out and get somebody you put him in that role I hate it because people are going to kind of compare him to to Steven Adams they're going to compare him to what Santi's doing and if it if it doesn't work out, they're gonna say, "Oh well, I told you, like he sucks. He's not any any good." And it's just not the case. I, I, the the way that he needs to play, I just don't know how that happens. Even with Steven Adams out, with the Raiders roster set up, I, because he needs to be a guy that that gets shots, kind of the same way we saw the reason why they got rid of Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, you had to run plays for him. He's a guy that wants shots, and that's not what they 
needed out of that position. And even with Lofton now, they're not going to need him to score. And that's just not, I don't know. It's just not the right situation for me that I feel like he's going to thrive the way that he can. Now, if you're forced in that situation, you don't go get anybody. It is what it is. It's just not the ideal situation that I would like to see him kind of get that opportunity. I guess that opportunity is better than no opportunity, though. So I guess there's that. If not now, then then when? Well, I you're just, asking him to do something. If they needed a score off the bench, I would, I would, I would find yeah. much more validity in your point. That's not what they need. It doesn't fit his skill set. It's not that he's incapable, but it just to project something that is not his uh, like super strong strength of his game, right? Like that's not why he's on the team. He's not on the team for his potential in rebounding. Now, I do think that he can do that. He's shown flashes, but. That's not why he's in the game. He's in the game because the guy can score, right? Like, and so that doesn't even fit. It's not even a proper evaluation of your roster if you're going to try to put him in that position yeah, exactly. because it's not understanding who he is as a player. Yeah, and I yeah, don't yeah. understand the difference. But sorry, about to tell me. <laughs> oh no, I was going to say I was kind of talking over you. I was going to just as what they were saying. If not now, when? I don't. I don't know if there's ever going to be a win. I've kind of just given up because I own him ever getting that real shot on his roster because I just don't feel like it's set up for him to get that. I think as long as he's here at Memphis, for the most part, he's just going to be a a bit bottom of the roster guy. I just think that's what what is going to be barring something crazy happening. I just think that's what it is. I've kind of just decided, okay, well, I'm just gonna gonna give up the fight on that. I don't I don't think it's ever going to happen. Maybe he goes somewhere else. And they have a role for him that he can flourish in that role. I just don't know if it ever happens here. I just think they signed him because they weren't ready to like allow him to get walk out of here and somebody else get him. They just signed him because they had put some investment in him and they they weren't ready to give up on him just yet. But and and he showed some promise. I think it was yeah. more like a culture thing too. You just kind of want to re- reward the guy. But but I don't see the difference between the mindset of why not play him in the rebuilding mindset. To me, it sounds like it's the same because like okay, let's say hypothetically. He flourishes as a rebounder, all right? So then you don't make a move because now you don't need to make a move and you go into the playoffs with that roster. You feeling good about that? So I, I don't really know that even in the best-case scenario, it's best for the team. Because he's still 6'8". I mean, right. at the end of the day, when <laughs> like, you do it, he, even he, if he, he does even in the best-case scenario, it's not the best move for the team. So what are we – why would we do that? Why would we – See if something happens just because the reality is even if even if it works, it's not going to work long term, not for what your goals are. So why would you like depend on that happening if you're not prepared to back it up with rewarding him, you know, the playoff minutes and then potentially risking not being your best self going into the playoffs? I I get that, but we don't know that it's not going to be what's best for the team moving forward. There are guys, like, if he because goes out there and he's, like, I realize that he's 6'8", but there have been plenty of undersized bigs that have found success in this league and played at a high level on playoff teams. <laughs> only on have teams. undersized bigs. Whenever you see yeah, a that's team the thing, yeah. only undersized That's the thing, it's bigs. only I, undersized big, though. You got, that's the thing. Aldama and Jaron are both seven-footers, or was 6'11". And then I, I, I just, 
don't know. It's just me being an optimist. I'll just just leave and, it. And I, feel, it's fine, and I feel but, bad because I'm the like, lobby guy. Like he, David is even like the lobby guy. It's just it, it's I don't feel like it's the role that's gonna best help him reach his ceiling long term. No. It's not for him or the team. I don't think it's the right thing. I think you're pigeonholing him into something that's not really what he needs to be doing. If I, I you guess so plug him into a role and you expect him to go out here and be Steven Adams, you're absolutely right. But you're paying Coach Jenkins and this coaching staff a lot of damn money to be able to go out there and make adjustments. So when you lose a guy like Steven Adams and you look at what you have on the roster, it's like, okay, if you give him the playmaking responsibilities that they give Steven Adams, Lofton can do that. He's a good passer. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, I'm get, confident he, he can do that. Is he going to be that big physical presence that Steven Adams is? I, I don't know. I have no idea. I, like right now, is he that? No, he's not that right now. Could he develop into that? It's a possibility. Like you saw him play bully ball when he played for Team USA. And, you know, you saw him in the preseason against Chet, bully balling him. So he is a physical player. He's not the same as Steven Adams. But there's not a single player on that list of guys that we talked about that's going to be a direct replacement for Steven Adams. So you work with what you have. And, again, like if they make a move, I'm not going to be disappointed. But even if they use that disabled player exception, you have to have a roster spot for it. They create that roster spot by putting Ja on the suspended list. Well, then when Ja comes back in 25 games – they've got to figure out what to do with somebody because they're going to have too many people on the roster. So, so what happens? You go out and you, you, you make a move for a guy like that. Okay. You get somebody that can be that backup big. Then Ja comes back in December. Who's gone. I mean, I, I think, I think that they, if they do something, it's going to have to be a two for one trade, Correct. which I think, I think there needs to be some consolidation anyway. Mm -hmm. I think they got too many guys. Like you got LaRavia, Roddy, uh, Zaire Williams, it's looked like he's separated himself. But do you are you really going to keep LaRavia and Roddy on this roster long term? I think you pretty much know by now one of those guys is probably not going to be here long term. So, I mean, I, that's the way that I think it happens. If they go out and get somebody, I think it's going to have to be a, a two-for-one type deal that they're going to have to send out a player so they can open up that roster spot. Because I think it's, I think it's that important that some of these bottom roster guys have to be moved. I, I don't think you can move Conchar's contract. I think they messed up giving him that long-term deal. Maybe somebody takes it on. He has like four years on that deal. Yeah, That's going to be tough enough, to man. Like yeah, he's, I think, I he's think an Conchar end of the roster guy. Yeah. Like he's know, not man. a playoff four, rotation. 24 million, four years, 24 million. That's a lot of money, man, for, for John Conchar. Maybe, maybe somebody will take it on. I think maybe if it was a two years, maybe, but four years at 6 million per, even though that's cheap, that's still, you're taking on a commitment by taking him on. Cause he has four years left on that deal. Including this year, so maybe he can be moved. I don't know. Well, in the rotation guy thing, I really don't. I think, I, in fact, I think guys like that are contract moves because because when you need to match salary, then that that's kind of what you would do is plug and play a guy who is an end of the bench guy, but you but makes enough money to be able to help match salary. So I think his contract is movable. Just I, I, I mean, he might be, but I just think that four years is that's a pretty significant commitment that you're taking on. We're taking on four years. Maybe if it was two years, 12 million, but four years, 24, you, that's not like you're just moving a guy on an expiring that's on a low deal that's not worth his contract. You're yeah, but, taking I on mean, four years. 
Six million a year in today's NBA is not that much. You you look at, at, you know, just run down some rosters and look at some of these contracts. I mean, DeAndre Hunter is getting 20 million a year, bro. Right. What the hell did DeAndre I know, but, 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 but DeAndre Hunter can, but, but DeAndre Hunter is a lot better than John Conchar. He he is, but is better. he fourteen million dollars better than John right. Conchar? Yeah, man, honestly, DeAndre on, Hunter, man. DeAndre. No. De, de, so you don't think DeAndre Hunter is fourteen million dollars better than John Conchar? No, like, no. really, with the way NBA like, salaries is, work, you don't. Is think, he a better think, player oh, than John yeah, Conchar? hundred percent. I don't even have anything else to say on this. He's a better player. Close. But okay, is you you got um, because John Contra the- shouldn't even John Contra shouldn't even be playing. Like if John Contra is playing, it's a problem. Well, like no, John Contra should I, be in nobody's rotation. That's a a championship, a contending level team. I disagree I with that. They didn't use okay. him right last year. He looked no, unplayable the, 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 last year because the, they asked too much of him I, too soon. I know, but no. I think the way that the, the his role would be, he only needs to play if somebody gets hurt. I don't. He shouldn't be in your rotation at all. He shouldn't play on a championship team. If he's in your rotation, you that's not good on a championship level team. He's no, he's, he's like below that. Man. If he's a ninth or tenth man, should he should he be six seven? No, I don't. I think, think he should be. be. I think he should be eleven. I'm fine with him I'm eleven. But Ten or eleven. I think I think he's got some use, especially depending on what the team needs, like his ability to rebound. If he gets the three ball back, which I think man, he, I mean y'all y'all hate no DeAndre Hunter, man. Yeah, he ain't worth twenty million, bro. No, nah, I, mean, I, I just think I think I think he's gonna play better. I think the hustle that he does. I think if you're looking at the year before last, <sighs> then yeah, and it that somebody's gonna get that guy. Like he was valuable for the team, he was, but he was just asked too much last year. So I think. If you're basing on how he looked last year, then yeah, I guess I'd agree with you. But I guess I'm projecting that he's going to bounce back to being hustle play guy, come off the bench, bench energy guy, rebound guy if you need him, and that has value even in championship teams. So, all right, so let, let's let's start wrapping it up. We'll end with this. I think that we're kind of all in an agreement that they they end up making a move. At some point, like, well, what does that look like for you, Candace? What What does that move look like? Is it going out and getting one of the fringe guys that I mentioned, like the guys that would fit into the disabled player exception and Zeller, Deadman, Drummond, Smith, Muscala, Goga Bataze? Is it one of those guys, or do you think it's something bigger than that? Yeah, no, it's, it's a, a fringe guy is fine because you're not. The role that you need to field is important and it's critical to the success of this team, but it's not something that needs to be put a ton of resources in. You don't need a ton of resources for a rebounder, but the team needs a rebounder. So you go out, you get a French guy, maybe it's one of those two for one trades. Like Isaac was saying, I think that's pretty much what you have to do in order to make room on the roster. And I also agree with Isaac in the sense that that's kind of what you needed to do anyway, um, because they did triple down on youth too much last year and they got to rectify that. So um, that's what they should be doing when they do it. I hope soon, but we'll see. I was gonna say this is the totally irrelevant to what we we're talking about, but I just just came across the wire. The Suns release Keon Johnson, uh, which I think is is interesting. I mean, he hasn't really produced, but I think he has potential, especially on the defensive end. So that's kind of surprising, especially with them needing those deaf guys off the bench. So I was kind of surprised about that. But as far as what we're we're talking about, I, I think. 
going out and getting a guy like Drummond Level, some of those other guys that you named on that group of players. I think that's kind of what they need to do. Um, I see a lot of people just throwing crazy names out there that I just don't think they're gonna gonna get. Even in a lot of those guys, their teams are not even trading them, so it's not even worth talking about it. I, I saw um, interaction between David and, and Joe Mullinex with the list he put out. The guy said obtainable names, and he he goes to put out five guys that there's no way in hell they're getting. <laughs> I just thought that thought right, that was like, hilarious, but maybe one of the guys on the list is available. <laughs> yeah. So people, anytime stuff like this happens, man, you'll see people throw crazy names out, but I don't, I don't expect them to do anything like that. Cause I just, they're not in a situation to where they want to move a lot of assets anyway. Like yeah. it's going to be something lower tier. They're not going to want to break into the, ro the roster players and try to move into those guys out. Cause I think they like the guys that they have in that locker room. So I don't see them moving any significant pieces. Anybody they move, it's going to be bottom of the roster guys, maybe a David Roddy, Jake LaRavia, maybe they could move one of those guys out. I'd say maybe even John Conchar. Um, interesting that he didn't really play much during the preseason. Um, they just, guess they want to get a look, look at other guys, but he was kind of the only guy that didn't play, uh, which is kind of strange. I don't know if doesn't look like he's dealing with an injury or anything. So it's maybe they finally, personal reasons. Yeah, that's what they were saying. I don't know what's up with that, but he, he was there. He was on the bench. So I don't know what, what's going on with that. But yeah, man, I think it's, a guy like Andre Drummond, like I said, would be the guy that I would go get because I just think they need somebody with size. He definitely brings that. And he's going to gobble up rebounds. He can also set screens. And he's not a, a terrible rim, rim protector. I mean, he averages about two blocks per game or for a career. So, I mean, he has blocked shots at time. I, I just think if he's healthy, he's a guy that could could come in and just do those things and get out of the way. Um, I, I think he could fill that role really well, especially you add him with X um, and Lofton if you – need to play those guys at different times, I, I think he would be a good fit for their role. I I would not mind them making a phone call to Atlanta about Clint Capella. But um, I wish. I think that's a that's a big, big fish. But if they could bring him in, he's one wait, of my favorite no know, players in the league. I love we're, him. we're talking about like a, a two for one. So like LaRavia and Adams contract wise work with for, for the Grizzlies, like that trade would work. What kind of assets would you have to toss in there? I don't know. I, I know that Atlanta has given some players away for a little bit of nothing. Because they love and a so, like, if you like can, a a lot. Like, if you could send Adams, Arabia, and a couple seconds and get Clint Capella in return, sign me up for it. Oh, I'm, I'm 100% on board. If they can get Capella, but, you know, I'm 100% like, on board. Like it, that, that's more of like a, a dream scenario. That's not yeah. a likely scenario. We, we, we ready to go. You get a Bella in here. But <laughs> yeah, like if they, because they've got a, a Onyeko Kongwu down there who is an up and coming big. Yeah, he's everybody good. I love is, him. is hollering for him to get more minutes. And they have Bruno Fernando on the bench who is a, a decent backup big. So if they, they made that move, you could see what you have in Okongwu. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about that because that's just speculation we won't go down that road too far but i mean i think they do move capella i just don't know if it's in in that deal i think he it's almost destined i think they love a Conwu from what i've heard and they want him to get that opportunity i think it's going to happen sooner or later maybe at the at the deadline maybe if you go out and get let's like say like a guy like andre drummond maybe they decide that they if they can get a guy like capella at the deadline i think maybe they'll do something like that then i don't see them going that big i don't think right now but I think I can see that at the deadline, something like that happening possibly. Yeah, I, I mean, this 
front office, the, the price has to be right or they're not going to do it. And right now I think teams are going to be asking a little bit more because of the situation. But we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Again, we just want to drop in and talk about the Adams – excuse me, the Adams news, bad news for the Grizzlies – I'm optimistic enough to think that they can still find ways to win games and be competitive. Um, do you think barring a crazy leap from one of the guys that they have on the roster currently that they would be in trouble going into the playoffs with it as constructed? Uh, but we'll see what happens. Climbing has uh, done good as far as getting talent on this roster. Now can he fine-tune it and bring this team a championship? We will see. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA Dwill21. You can follow me at CandaceH901. Isaac, take us home. Yeah, man. And the train, train doesn't stop. NBA is not going to stop because Steven Adams is out for the season. So the Grizzlies have their opener on Wednesday night inside FedEx Forum against the New Orleans Pelicans. Be on the lookout. I'll be talking with the voice of the New Orleans Pelicans, Todd Graffiganini. Here on Ethos Grizzlies podcast, they'll be dropping in the next couple of days. So make sure you be on the lookout for that. Uh, you can find me on X, Twitter, uh, whatever you want to call it, at Isaac double underscore NBA. That's I S A A C double underscore NBA. Thanks everybody for tuning in. For David and Candace, I've been Isaac Simpson. And until next time, we're going. And that will conclude our Sports Ethos presentation.